Amen. I'm excited, man. God's good. We got a leadership meeting afterwards, and after that, I'm going to go play Pokemon with my son and beat the crap out of him. Anyway, um, don't look at me like that. They're not demons. Anyway, um, look in your bulletin. I want to I show you what it means to be blessed today, and uh, a life blessed. You know, we're talking about being blessed, and, I, and, and back in the spring, and the Lord, you know, told me to start to, you know, I, I was knowing I was going to do something on the blessed life. A couple years ago, we did the blessed life uh, uh, series. And how many of you guys ever read uh, that book, The Blessed Life, um, by Dr. Morris in, uh, in uh, Dallas, Texas? And it's just such a great book on finances. So I, I, I'm feeling like the Lord's telling me, okay, we need to do something along that. If, I don't know if you guys know this. Every first time giver, we give that book away to them because we want them to know what, why are you giving. And so I'm thinking the Lord's telling me that we're going to be doing this, but but then I, I, just, I just felt like I was supposed to call it blessed. But there is something deeper that the Lord wanted me to talk about. Now, I am going to be talking about finances and how we can be blessed in our finances. But we use this word blessed, I'm blessed, but all we think about is finances. We think, if I have enough money, then I'm blessed. And God, and this is what we're actually saying, the more money I have, the must be God must like me more. But that's not true. And being blessed is so much deeper than having finances. I know people who have a lot of money, and they're not blessed. They're depressed. Their relationships go sour. They're lonely. Now, I know poor people like that, too. So being blessed is not about circumstances. And as we talked about last week, being blessed is about the kingdom of God, that you are in touch with the kingdom of God. So whatever, whatever brings you into contact with God's kingdom is viewed as a blessing. That's why persecution can be viewed as a blessing. When you're persecuted for Christ's sake and you are drawing near to the Lord, it can, that's a blessing. Sometimes, and, and listen to me, that maybe some of the hard things that you go through are more a blessing than what you think they are. Because maybe it's bringing you closer to the Lord. And I'm not saying that God's doing that. Maybe it just works that way for you. Some of us are a bunch of hard-headed people, right? And we only learn the hard way. Punch your neighbor on that one. But God wants us to know what it means to be blessed. Because being blessed is not a social status. It's not how much money you have, what type of car you have, and it's definitely not about how many friends you have on Facebook. I'm sorry. Yes, I know. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's, it's about knowing God and living in His kingdom. Okay, this is what happened when you got saved, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. You changed. You, you were transferred. That means you were taken out of one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of man, into God's kingdom. Okay, this is what happens. There's a way of life over here in the kingdom of man, the kingdom of darkness. And that life we have to fight every day as believers. The Bible, Paul says this, that's the old man, the old way of life. When you got saved, you were transferred into a new kingdom, a new understanding, a new way of living. 
That's the kingdom of God. Things that worked over here don't work over here. In fact, most things over here never worked anyway. Everything was brought to death, right? But over here is life. It's life, love, peace, joy, righteousness. In fact, in, fact, in Romans chapter 14, 7, 14, verse 17, describes the kingdom of God as righteousness, peace, and joy in His Spirit. And so righteousness... Peace and joy only comes by God. Nothing on earth can give you righteousness. Nothing on earth can give you true joy and true peace. Now, sometimes we have a limit of some of that. You know, money can make you happy for a time, right? But we're not good with that. Without controls and without God, then sometimes it becomes where we eat it all up. Or it becomes something that we begin to love. And what the Bible says about money, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money isn't evil. Money actually has a purpose. And hopefully we'll be able to talk, to that, talk about that next week. But what makes you really blessed? What does being blessed really look like? If it's not money, if it's not circumstances, if it's not social status... What do we mean by I'm blessed? What does that look like? So I'm going I'm to show you. What does being blessed really look like? And you're going to find out, am I really blessed? And some of you today are going to say in that area, in part of that, yeah, I'm blessed. But there's some parts, and I'm not blessed. Because my goal is in this series is that we will open up, no matter how departmentalize your life is that every part of your life will be con- in contact with God's kingdom and you will be truly blessed in every part of your life. So what does a blessed person look like? What does a blessed person think about? What does a blessed person act like? So turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9. This really gives us the understanding of what it means to be blessed. Look what it says here, Philippians chapter 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So I'm going to show you through these scriptures, this really shows us what it means to be blessed. So when you say, I'm blessed, this is what you're going to do. Number one, a life that is blessed rejoices in the Lord always. If you're really blessed, no matter what your situation's like, no matter what the circumstances come towards you, no matter what that person said about you, you rejoice. You rejoice in the Lord always. You are always full of joy. In fact, an NLT says it this way. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. So that joy tells me it's not based on what goes on around me. 
You know, there's four areas, four problem areas that rob us of this joy. One is a, a petty an- annoyances of life. Just things just pop up, whether they're circumstances, mainly a lot with people. People problems can steal your joy. How many have ever saw your joy just get sucked right out of you because of another person? And, okay, stop looking at your neighbor. Anyway, um, <laughs> some of you... <laughs> Worry. Worry is another reason joy can get out of you because you worry about the circumstances that are out of your control. Worry does it. The third thing, negative thinking. We get into a critical mentality because we focus more on what's going bad and wrong than what's going on good and well. You do that to yourself. You know that, don't you? You focus on how bad you are more than how good you are. Aren't you glad that God focuses on how good He is in you than what you are, how bad you are in yourself? So we get this negative thinking. Some of you, you end time freaks. Amen. I say that in a nice way. But you're all about the end of America. Yeah, America's going to end, as long as with every other country, including Israel. And it's only going to be God's kingdom. Amen? And that's a good thing. Amen? You get this negative thinking, and that takes away your joy. I've, I've seen some believers who really love the Lord get caught up in what, how bad things are. And they, number one, they don't do anything about it. They just like to complain. And I know I, my, my dad, he can get into this a lot. I mean, he's on, down there in his, when, when they, were, they used to live with us in their basement. And my son, Josiah, he's, he's 12. Are you in here, Josiah? He's back there. And so my dad's watching Fox News. And so my, my dad just gets mad watching news anyway. And so he just gets up and here comes my son. He's along with it and said, this Obama nation and all this kind of stuff as he's coming up. I'm saying, where do you get that at? You know, the thing about it is I am not of this world. I'm in God's kingdom. So this world, the Bible says, is going to get messed up, right? It's going to get more. It's going to get more. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. You know what? That's okay. But where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Amen? So negative thinking can stop you from going on and and getting the joy of the Lord. It steals the joy of the Lord. And the fourth one is guilt. Guilt and shame take away the joy of the Lord. Now this joy, when Paul says here, rejoice in the Lord always, He's, he's saying this stuff is not based, this type of joy is not based on emotions, but it's based on truth. This joy is grounded in who God is. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, my circumstances changes daily. It will change every hour. In fact, sometimes every minute. And if my joy is secured in my circumstances, I am messed up. There is no way. I'm going to go from happy to joyful and joyful 
to sad in a minute, in a moment. And that's the way a lot of times we live our life. But this joy that God's talking about, where I can be full of joy and rejoice no matter what's going on around me, is based on who He is, not on what's going on around me. Outward circumstances may come against me, but there's an inward joy that can always be joyful and rejoice because of who God is. Since he will never leave me nor forsake me. And in his presence there's fullness of joy. And he never changes. You know what that means? That God is always faithful to be the great I am in my life. That he can be whatever he needs to be. He can be my provider, my protector, my my healer. No matter what it is, he's there. And he's always, and I can rejoice in that. You know, sometime, someday, you and I are going to have to become fully convinced that God has saved us and we are his kids. Because we as Christians go around like we have no control, nothing going on around us, no protector, no healer, no provider, and we act like we're back in this old life again. You've been transferred. You're in a new kingdom. You're in the kingdom of God. You have authority. And you don't have to act like you used to, like a chicken with its head cut off every time a problem happens, where you're running around saying, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, my, oh, my, the sky is falling. I mean, I've read the book, We Win. In every situation, we win. Just like I talked about when the disciples were going across that lake last week. Not when they went last week, two years, two thousand years ago. But when we talked about it last week, <laughs> and the wind was coming against them, and they were they were straining. God had them right where they were needed. He wanted to show them He was the Great I Am. And that was the greatest revelation. And sometimes in the midst of our trouble, we're asking God, get us out of it. Maybe we should just stay in it for a little while and enjoy God being the great I am. Enjoy God doing a miracle in the presence of his enemies. We just need to start taking a step back and saying, God, I I, I don't care anymore. What is thrown at me? I just know you're my God, and you are my joy, and I rejoice in you. Whatever may come, it's okay. How many of you guys have ever went through something hard? Raise your hand. And let's look, at, look around you. You're still here. You made it through. Listen, God knows the end from the beginning. He has been there. And guess what? Trouble is going to come again. And you may be in trouble right now, and there's hope. Rejoice in the Lord. He's got this. You're his kid. Be fully convinced that God has saved you. See, when we choose not to rejoice and we choose to worry, it robs us of our joy. It drains us of our energy. It it stunts our spiritual growth, and we dishonor God. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, let's believe the Lord's promise. Let's believe what he has for us. When we put our cares in God's hand, he puts his peace in our hearts. 
Choose to rejoice, especially when you don't feel like it. So a blessed life, a life that is blessed, understands this. If you say, I'm blessed, you understand rejoicing. You understand hanging out with the Lord. That's a life that's blessed. That you can do this. Number two, in the life that is blessed, is a a life that lets their gentleness be evident to all. Philippians 4, 5 says this in the message. It says, make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. You know what that means? That a, a, a person who is blessed by God who is blessed, understands rejoicing and understands that they're going to let their lives live so others will see the Lord in us. That they'll see the love and the kindness and the gentleness towards people. That people are no longer our enemy. We know who our enemy is, and that's the devil. But people are no longer our enemy. Now listen, in this political climate right now, I don't care if you're a Democrat Republican, libertarian, or independent, you are not my enemy. There should be a lot more amens with that one. And as someone who's blessed knows that. Now, I can disagree with you. That doesn't mean I'm your enemy. But somehow, and I've been grieved what I have saw on Facebook. What I've seen in in the culture of our, 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 our Christian culture, not just here, but throughout America, is that we need to learn to disagree and still love one another. Amen? As long as it doesn't go against the Word of God, we can do that. And God has not called me to be Republican. God has not called me to be Democrat. God has not called me to be independent. God's called me to be a son. And as a son, I act a certain way to people. Because other people are either my, are my brothers and sisters in the Lord, or maybe will be. And my job is to see that they come to that. They come back into the family. And so we are to let our lives shine so much that we show the Lord. And that we, we're not... We show them that not only that who he is, but that he's coming back. The Lord is coming soon, and we are God's witnesses to get them ready. And that's the very heart of God. Yes, I believe that you need to vote your Bible. I definitely believe that, and I'm going to share with that in October. But it doesn't mean I'm hateful to people who don't. It means I love them just like Christ loved them. Who did Christ hang out with? Sinners and tax collectors. So go down to the IRS building. (laughs) It's right by Union Station. It's almost like Fort Knox to get in there, actually. I mean, how many of you guys ever worked there? But we, he hung out with those people. Did he disagree with their lifestyle? Yes. But did he show the love of God? Yes. Now, was he influenced by them? No. 
but he spoke to them God's word. And see, a life that is blessed does that because they rejoice in the Lord and they made it clear as you can to all you meet that you are on their side. It doesn't mean you agree, but you're on their side. That means you love them as you love yourself. And you're working with them to what purpose? To see them know who God is, who the Father is. Amen? Amen? Number three, you know you're blessed. A life that is blessed is not anxious, but allows the peace of God to dominate their life. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. So don't worry. Don't get excited in a, in a sense that causes fear. And this is how you're not supposed to be anxious. This is how you're not going to be anxious. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, there's no better way to do this than to start out rejoicing in the Lord all the time. See, what rejoicing does, it makes you focus your attention on the Lord and His promises and not the things going on around you, not the negative circumstances. And then when you do that, you begin to pray. And you ask the Lord and you thank Him. You praise Him for the answer. And you start to do that. And see, that's the problem with us. A lot of times we're so moved by the circumstances that we forget to pray. See, the thing about it is, is when things start going good or start going bad, you should have a habit of praying no matter what. And so you should take a pause, take a step back, and say, God, how do you want me to respond to the situations that I'm in? And get his word. And guess what? He will show you in his word how to respond. And then you begin to speak that out. So in your finances, how many have ever looked at your checkbook and you said, oh no? Good, I'm not alone. Oh no. So what do you do? You go get a loan. And you say, oh, I have a credit card which makes a lot more onos, or do you go and pray? See, a lot of times we act out of the knowledge of good and evil. We act out of the knowledge of our own way of life, right? And so we think that, okay, we need to do this. This is how we're going to do it. And God wants to do a totally different way. He wants to be your provider. And so what we need to do when something like that happens is we take, we pause and we go pray and we don't do anything until we hear from the Lord. And we pray. We seek the Lord. And we ask the Lord, Lord, should we buy this? Or should we do this? Or should we get a loan? Or should we just wait? Because this is what happens. It has happened to me. And I know it happens to you. You know what? Lisa and I, we support our church. We tithe. We give 10% of what we make. And sometimes we give more. But we also support missionaries. I encourage you to do that with the Penningtons. If you aren't supporting anybody, and the Lord leads you to do that. 
So we support missionary. So when, when I have an oh no moment with our finances, you know what the first thought goes to my head? Well, you don't have to give this much. How many has ever had that before? Raise your hand. Okay. How many has ever, ever thought, I don't have to tithe this week? Go ahead and raise your hand. We have cameras all around. We're going to take pictures. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. There's no condemnation. And so we want, this is, the first, this is the way this life used to live. But no. You know what the, what the Lord always told us to do? Every time we had those oh no moments when I look at our checkbook. He always, we went back and prayed. And he always told us to continue giving. And sometimes he would even say give more. And we would do it. And we have, it has never failed us. When we stopped, we prayed, and we listened. And look what it says. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situ, every situation, good and bad. So it's not just talking about the bad. It's talking about the good too. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. So when, after we hear the word of the Lord, we start thanking him for it. You know, one, one time, one year, actually it was 2013. Our church was actually 2009 and 2013. We had some just rough years financially. We never had to lay off anybody or anything like that. But 2013 was pretty low financially. We're in, still in the midst of that recession and, and just, we just weren't giving. It's not that we had dropped off a lot, but we just did had some finances. We still had a building payment, a big building payment and and so I'm in my office, I'm, I'm sitting at my chair in my office, and I'm planning, I'm a planner. And so here Sean is planning. Now I'm not planning in, in God's kingdom right now, I'm planning in Sean's little kingdom. And so here I am, I'm writing down a new budget, and basically where we need to cut. Because we're getting negative in our general fund, and we just don't, we have savings, but we just don't knock into that savings. So I'm thinking, well, we're going to have to let go of people. Bills first, and uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> he was the one up front. No. So we did, we did, we did make some cuts. But I'm here. I'm, I'm thinking that this is what we're going to have to do. This, da, 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 we're going to cut ministry and all this kind of stuff. And so I hear a word from the Lord way in the background. You know you're wrong when it's way back here, you know. And so I hear the word. Who told you to do this? And I'm ignoring it because my flesh wants to plan. But my flesh, this is what? My flesh wants control. It's not trying to get me out of things. It's trying to have its control back. And so I hear this word again. It gets a little closer. Why are you, who, who told you to do this? And why are you doing this? And I said, I don't know. That's what you say when you don't want to take responsibility. <laughs> How many of you guys have kids? You know that. And so I, I, I said, I don't know. He says, I didn't. So the Lord told me, he says, stop what you're doing. And this is what Paul says. Do not be anxious about anything. Stop what you're doing. Stop. In every situation, stop. Pray. Petition. Thank God for it. 
Let your request be made known to God. So that's what I did. I stopped and, and I pushed everything aside and got the word of the Lord. And since then, we have not had a financial problem at this church. Since then, we've been blessed in every part of our lives that we've been connected to the kingdom and we connected our finances to the kingdom. And we've paid off our building. He gave me, he gave me the, 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 the thing on how, how we're going to pay off our building. And we did that. And God's blessed our church. Aren't you glad our church is blessed? But you know why it's blessed? God. Amen? And we, we have elders that, that do this very same thing. They are not moved by circumstances. They are not moved by people. They are not moved by what people think or people say. They're only moved by the will of God. Amen? And there's no better way to do this. It's just to sit down and cast all your cares on the Lord and allow Him to take care of you. And notice this. And it says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. You know why your heart and mind needs to be guarded? So it won't go back. So it won't listen to the old way of life and the old way of doing things. That's why when we rejoice, we refuse to enter into the world system. And we enter into God's kingdom. We pray, we ask, we thank Him, and we rest in His faithfulness. Amen? So no matter what's going on around you, no matter if you're in the boat and you're straining, pray. Petition, ask Him, and thank Him for it. Amen? And allow the peace of God. You know, being blessed is having that peace where you're just... <sighs> I grew up on the beach in North Carolina. That's where I grew up, and I was on there all the time, every morning, just on the beach. And that just reminds me of blessing. It reminds me of no worries. I love that. No worries. And that's the blessing that God wants you and I to have. And number four, a life that is blessed thinks about the good. Verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, worthy, think about such things. You know, we have to control our thoughts. And when you're not rejoicing and you're not praying, it's going to be hard to control your thoughts because you're thinking the bad. You know, we plan more about the bad than we do the good. We actually, we have vision for bad things to happen, don't we? Just like when I'm sitting at my, at my desk, I'm planning for more bad things to happen. I was planning really on it getting worse. More than I was I'm planning on getting back. And when I started to rejoice and I started to pray and ask the Lord, I started to get vision on things getting good. And that's what we start to write down. Stop writing down the bad. Stop thinking about the bad. Paul says, whatever is true. What, you know, your truth, it's not your truth. It's God's truth. It's not what you find out to be true. It's what God knows is true. And it's about you too. You focus more about the bad on you than you do the good. Aren't you glad that God looks at the good in you more than he does the bad? 
So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, what's pure, what's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about those things. Don't allow thoughts in your life that come against this verse. If it's bad, if it's not the truth of God's word, if it's not noble, it's not right, if it's not pure, if it's not lovely, cast it out. Paul says in Corinthians, cast those things out, those imaginations that exalt itself against the word of God. Cast them down. So no matter what you're thinking, cast them down. You know what? You need to get thoughts in your mind that the Holy Spirit can say amen to. Can God say amen? Amen. You know what amen means? So be it. You don't want him to say so be it to some of your thoughts. Make sure your thoughts are thinking his thoughts where God can look at you and say yes and amen. I bless your thoughts. Amen? And this is not only about situations. This is about people. How about your thoughts about your neighbor? What are you thinking about your spouse? What are you thinking about the kids in your neighborhood when they run across the road right in front of you? Or because they're, they're playing Pokemon? What are you thinking about those people who are trying to do you harm? Your co-workers, maybe. That might have said something wrong about you. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, think about these things. A life that is blessed doesn't allow their thoughts to control their attitude and their heart. A life that is blessed only allows God to do that. Amen? You know you're blessed when your thoughts are in control with God. And number five, a life that is blessed does what they have learned. Whatever you've learned, in verse nine, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That word practice means to keep on doing until it becomes a lifestyle, a habit. And so this is what we're going to get in the habit of. Rejoicing always. Loving and being the light always. Not being anxious, but by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, make our requests to God and allow the peace of God to rule our hearts. That we're going to control our thoughts. That's what we're going to do. That's what a blessed life looks like. Amen? You know, we're on this uh, 21 days of prayer. I want to encourage you, if you haven't started, to pray more. To set aside time to pray. But they tell us that it takes two weeks to form a habit. Well, we have two more weeks. And this is what I would like for us to do. Let's form a lifestyle, a habit of being blessed. Because listen, if you want increase in any other area of your life, you have to learn to live in God's kingdom. Learn to be blessed. It's a choice. It's a choice that you make. 
And so from now on, this is what you're going to do. I want you to strive every single day for the next two weeks, for the next 14 days, to rejoice always, to be full of the joy of, of the Lord. Now listen, it's not a feeling. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is true. You're settled in that. Yes. I rejoice in you. I thank you, Lord. This is going to be good. And you let it come out of your mouth. So you're going to do that every day. You're going to make a habit of this. Make a lifestyle of this. Number two, you're going to be you're going to show the love of God. You're going to stop being mean and mad, okay? Is that cool? Some of you have issues with that. Some of you, it's just once in a while, but still an issue. So you're going to choose to be for everybody. You may not agree with everybody, but you're going to be for them. You're going to love them. Like Christ loved you. You're going to show that same love. Number three, you're not going to be anxious anymore. You're, not going to, you're going to refuse to worry or be in fear. And what you're going to do when things happen, good or bad, you're going to pause and you're going to pray. And you're going to get a word from the Lord. And you're going to thank Him for that. Amen? You're going to pause and, and pray. And then you're going to change the way you think. You're going to stop thinking from a man's kingdom to God's kingdom. You're going to start thinking the way he thinks. You're going to think when things, thoughts that aren't noble, when thoughts are not true, when thoughts are not lovely or praiseworthy, you're going to kick those out. Amen? And you're going to think what is right. And listen, this is how I'm going to know. I'm going to see your Facebook. Amen? You know what I, I have to do on Facebook? I have to not be anxious to respond. And so I pray. And then I write down what God tells me. So I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to pray. And you're going to create a habit that's going to control your thinking. Where you're going to be thinking what's right. And you're going to speak what's right. And you're going to do what's right. Amen? Amen? So let's be a church that's really blessed. In the next couple of weeks, I am going to talk about finance. I'm going to show you how this integrates into your finance. Because this, this right here controls every part of your life. And if you don't get it here, you won't be there. You won't get it in any other place. So let's create the habits. Bow your heads, close your eyes. So Father, right now, we just bless you and we just thank you. That, Father God, we are consecrated. We are set apart for your purposes. And, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we choose to live like you've called us to live. That, Father God, we make the choice to be blessed. That it's already provided for us. You already made a way. But we choose to walk in it every single day. So, Father, right now, I just pray that this becomes a habit. This becomes a lifestyle of us that we choose to rejoice, we choose to love and show people who you are to be a light. Now, Father God, we choose not to be anxious, not to worry, but by we will be led by prayer and our petition and our thanksgiving, our praise. And that we will control our thinking, that we'll only think the thoughts that you have and that you can say amen to. So be it. 
And we'll do this. We'll practice this, God, in Jesus' name. And we bless you for it.